0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quick Question Podcast. My name is Gabe Ryan, applause, applause, with my co-host, Mr. Matthew Shafty. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Welcome to episode number 29 of the Quick Question Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us today. Um, We are back from Easter break here at Xavier University. We actually have video this week. We have audio. We have everything. All the toys are back, um, so you can expect uh, more content from us kind of back to what we started to do towards the beginning of the year um we've been a little out of sorts with that but anyways hope you guys are hanging in there doing okay master's weekend um just culminated with a john rom master's victory yep um he is the 2023 winner of the green jacket well-deserved sixth spanish player in master's history to take home the green jacket matt you had um, some good time with your family this weekend, watching the Masters, watching sports. Uh, what were your big takeaways from the Masters?
1: Um, my biggest takeaway was Brooks Koepka had the lead for what seemed like, what, forever? And then he kind of just choked it, um, unfortunately for him. Uh, he was really complaining about Victor Hovland's group that was right in front of him. Speaking of Hovland, uh, he seemed to be one of the only guys that could play in the weather and the conditions. Yeah, He's from Norway, so <laughs> you better expect to, to be playing with gloves and everything like that. Um, but on Sunday, he kind of fell apart. Both him and um, uh Phil Mickelson had a very good round on Sunday. Uh, shot a sixty-five, so mm-hmm. he got back into the fold of things. But John Rahm just played well all around yeah. and finished really strong. First first day, he had what sixty-five. Shot sixty-five with a double bogey in the first hole.
0: He four-putted number yeah. one. Um, so. I think if you're a golf purist watching John Rahm play. Um, yeah. It's it was clinical. His final round was absolutely clinical. He just chipped away the entire eighteen holes. Mm-hmm. Um, Brooks Kepka started with a two shot lead over Rom, and that was quickly erased within like the first seven holes. Yep. Uh, Rom got up on on Koepka, and then the back nine, he's playing to the middle of the greens. He's uh, being conservative, but being really really intelligent with where he was hitting his approach shots. He almost reined in a couple like forty footers. Yeah, that would have been huge putts. Yeah. Um. But he took advantage of 13 and 15, which are the two par fives on the back nine. Played really smart shots into those holes. Took advantage, got the birdies, and then he he just didn't make mistakes. Obviously, his tee shot on number 18 was a little errant, which <laughs> probably not the way he drew it up. But he got lucky that the the ball ricocheted off the trees down into the into the rough. Yeah, he was still like 250 yards out from the green, which on number 18 is normally not how far of a of an approach shot that you have, but he iced it with his nice little wedge over the bunker. It was a beautiful shot. Um, but Rahm has been one of the best players in the world the past couple years. I don't think if you've followed golf the last couple of years that you should be shocked or anything by this um, victory, I would say Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy are, are the players that have been playing the best over the last two years. Rahm's already won three times previous to this, mm-hmm. this year and if you've watched him at all he's just so consistent with his driver he's really good with his irons and then when he's making putts on the green he's a very dangerous person yeah it's it's one of those things where i don't know if when he's playing his best i don't really know who he can who can beat him i mean rory i think you feel like that sometimes too just with how far he hits the ball and then if he can figure out the putting it's just such a deadly combination but congrats to him also like some historical facts off this master win. Um, Like I mentioned before, sixth um, Spanish player to win the Masters. Um, Hi, Atel. Anyways, (laughs) sorry. Um, (laughs) Sixth Masters player to win from Spain, and uh, one of the all-time great Spanish golfers, Seve Ballesteros, won his second green jacket in 1983, which is 40 years ago from this previous weekend. Um, so on the 40th anniversary, and also on Seve's birthday, uh, John Rahm got it done, which yeah. is really cool for for Spain and all the Spanish golfers alike. Um, really cool to see for for them. Yeah, um, good for him. The only other two storylines I, I want to touch on before we move on real quick is Tiger Woods, unfortunately, unfortunately, was unable to finish the round, um, finish the Masters tournament because of re-aggravating plantar fasciitis in one of his feet. Uh, which really sucks, uh, at least for the golfing world. He, he played good enough to make the cut, but if you watched him at all, like halfway through his round on Saturday before the weather got called, it was just really rough. And it was almost like you almost felt a pity for him. Just he was struggling walking up, and the weather was bad. Um, hopefully in future years, maybe he's able to play a full Masters if he makes the cut, but the leg plantar fasciitis. There's just a lot of things in his body working against him. Yep. And that's one of the toughest climbs of the year for for these guys. So hopefully Tiger's still got a few more years left in in him, but he's he might be winding down for his Masters career at least competitively. Um and then the other one is uh amateur Sam Bennett played really well um this weekend from Texas A&M, 23 years old. He shot 3 under for the tournament, which is one of the best finishes in amateur history mm-hmm. and Bobby Jones, one of the guys um, from way back when who started the amateur thing in the masters. It's one of the biggest parts of the event. Um, you always see in Butler cabin after the, the round is over um, them congratulate the winner. Obviously have the f- previous winner, put the green jacket on the next, but also they really um, emphasize um, the low am- low amateur playing really well. So really cool to see him. He was in the final group, actually, in the third round. Like He was in the mix, Yeah. Uh, atop the leaderboard, unable to make some birdies the last couple of days, but played really, really well, handled himself incredibly. Really cool to see that. And then um, if you've seen any of the stories from him, unfortunately, his dad passed away two years ago, but there's a tattoo in his dad's handwriting that says, um, don't wait to do something, which is kind of the motto he played with all week. It was a really cool story. His dad unfortunately had early onset Alzheimer's at the age of forty five, but was diagnosed about ten years ago now, which um in two thousand thirteen. So Bennett was definitely playing with a lot of emotion, a lot of um good perspective this week, and it was really cool to see him pull through mm-hmm. with that. Um but anything else you want to touch on before we move on?
1: Uh his his coach caddied for him. Texas his coach A&M, yeah, and then he had to go back to Texas A and M. Yeah. He was supposed to play in thirty six holes, but he didn't.
0: Yeah, his he said his body um w- wasn't gonna let him play, <laughs> um but after you finished four long yeah, days at the Masters, I think yeah. I think you get an exemption for SEC tournament and golf or what or the yeah. Aggie Invitational I think it was.
1: Yeah. I think um, I well if you think about it like most guys wouldn't give two craps about no, going back to school. And but playing, the fact but, that he
0: was willing to play yeah. but just wasn't able to work it up is. Mm-hmm.
1: And he's going to go right back to Texas A&M and yeah. still play it out, which shows the class of the kid. Yeah. Just and he is the future of golf, which is just awesome to say.
0: Yeah. And if if you saw the reception he got walking up the 18th hole on Sunday, yeah. that was really cool. And he, it choked him up. He got emotional walking off the green. Um, and he's only a few years older than the two of us. Yeah. And I can't imagine like playing golf <laughs> in high school being – in one of the final groups on Sunday, walking up the 18th hole, like d- the amount of pr- things going through my head would not be healthy, probably. No. <laughs> and I'd be very scared, but seeing him do that is really cool. And again, another golfer from the state of Texas, maybe not Texas or the university of Texas, like Scheffler and Spieth, um, but another really strong player that's probably going to be around for, for some time. Yeah, So, That's really all that happened in the Masters. The weather was pretty abysmal um, for the weekend, but it worked out in the end. Sunday looked fabulous, as it always does, on Easter Sunday. There's really nothing better than Masters weekend, especially when it um, lines up with Easter Sunday. But moving on, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs that got underway last night. Um, some of the playing games. Matt, I think you're going to run through some of the matchups. And yeah, I'm going to be
1: doing that. So <laughs> I'm going to be doing that. Um, So <laughs> let me start out. Let's start out with the Lakers and the Timberwolves. Uh, the more exciting of the two games went to overtime. Uh, who was it? D'Angelo Russell hit three free throws to put mm-hmm. in overtime with 0.1 seconds to go. Uh, that was crazy. They called the foul there on a three-point attempt. But um, Lakers still iced it out course lebron anthony davis both had good games uh no surprises there i i think uh, i think we thought the lakers were gonna win
0: yeah i i to be honest wasn't really giving the timberwolves any credit i <laughs> thought the lakers were just gonna come in there and clean house with them but yeah mike conley had one of the best games maybe of the later part of his career he shot the ball insanely well then, like you said, got fouled and tied the game with three free oh, yeah. throws to <laughs> force the overtime. I
1: said D'Angelo Russell. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mike Conley. D'Angelo Russell is on the Lakers right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my bad. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Russell, Timberwolves Ruff, def- Russell didn't have his best game. Only two points. Yeah. But,
0: Timberwolves definitely had a chance to steal the win there. Mm-hmm. Um. Just unfortunately, w- weren't able to pull it all the way off. Carl yeah,
1: Anthony Towns had a double double. They played well on the road. They did well. Yeah. And we'll see how they do Uh, on Friday night. They get to play. Um, one of two teams that we'll speak of later, the Thunder and the Pelicans, mm-hmm. but um, let's go to the second game, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks, and to me, the Hawks ran away with it. There was a part in the second quarter where the, the Heat went on 11-1 to run to end the quarter, and mm-hmm. the, ca- the game got a little closer, 64-50 at halftime, um, so you could see how much of a blowout it was before uh, halftime sounded. Uh, it was 63-39. to uh, You know... Every time the Heat tried to close a gap in the second half, the Mm -hmm. Hawks had an answer. Every single time. And that's just credit to everyone touching the floor on the Hawks, you know, having a Mm -hmm. plus minus of at least three. Yeah. The worst was Sadiq Bey, and he had 17 points. (laughs) Right. Uh, the bench, again, speaking of Sadiq Bay, the bench had huge production. They outscored the the Heat's bench fifty three to thirty seven, I believe. Jeez. Yeah. And 33 of those 37 points from the Heat came from Kyle Lowry off the bench. So basically, the bench was ineffective outside of Lowry. And for the most part, the entire team was ineffective outside of Lowry. Uh, even though Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler didn't have the worst games in the world, they were definitely inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, Hero was 2-for-9 from deep. Uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, he only shot 1-3, I think. He was 0-for-1. Uh, hit a lot of free throws, but he didn't shoot very well from from. Just anywhere on the court, and um, yeah,
0: he he attempted one three pointer. Yeah, just one row
1: yep um, so you, I think as as a Heat fan sits in the <laughs> other room over there, who um, didn't They're mean to come in, in yeah, barged barged in, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to give Sorry, him crap about it later. You're good, yeah, but we're going to give him crap now about his Heat. That's that's the first step, yeah. Right? We'll we'll make him we'll make him feel bad about being a Heat fan. And then he can join the Pistons fandom and hopefully feel a little worse, um, <laughs> maybe better. Hopefully better. But yeah. let's get back to it at home and with a team that has so much veteran presence in this moment. There's no excuse that you should lose this game to the Hawks. The mm-hmm. Hawks shot twenty four percent from outside. The Heat matched it with an abysmal thirty two percent from deep. Yeah, All right. They were out rebounded sixty three to thirty nine. 22 to 8 on the offensive glass. 22 I think it was 22 to 8, I think, or 22 to 6. Yeah. One of the two. Yeah. 22 to, no, it was 22 to 6 cuz they uh yeah, whatever. It's okay. But I it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't give up that many second chance points. No. You can't. I mean, right? yeah,
0: college basketball, you'd be running laps. Yeah.
1: For ever Ever. (laughs) forever right if teams grab 22 offensive rebounds but at least you know the shot clocks a little more uh advanced and faster and advanced plays a little more advanced in the nba anyway when bogdan bogdanovich and jalen johnson right two guys off the bench who are known for their offense or have a combined what seven steals Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or no i'm sorry it was five Five steals, seven turnovers between Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler, uh-huh. which is also bad. But five steals for guys who, let's just say, don't pickpocket you at all, yeah, is ridiculous, especially for a team again that's been there, that's been in the moment. This is a group where you can say almost everyone in the group has been there at some point in their career, whether it be for the Heat or for for Kevin Love for the Cavs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, For Victor Oladipo for m- multiple teams, like. To me, it's just crazy. It's ridiculous that they should be losing at home really this bad. If you didn't watch the game and you see the final score, you think, okay, maybe it was close in the ice and free throws. No, it was bad. It was just not a heat performance. Yeah. Just abysmal, in my opinion. For sure. And the Hawks, if and let me quickly touch on their three-point shooting because this is a team that has a high ceiling from three, and it seems like all season. Some games, they really pop off from deep, and some games they don't. I and mean, this was one of those games where they really didn't, but still pulled away with a win, because they played solid everywhere else. Right? We're talking offensive, defensive glass. We're talking down low. Right? And the Heat are one of those teams that likes to shoot mid range and down low, efficient shots. That's a that's a senior led group. They yeah. know how to get to the bucket. And again, they only shot forty two percent overall. Yeah. Like.
0: Uh, <sighs> The teams that There's advance no in the NBA playoffs are the teams that shoot it the best. Yeah. And at least that's that's what it's been like the, the last few years. Yeah. If you if you have the three pointer working, it's really you can't do too much mm-hmm. and except match it or yeah. do better. So
1: both teams didn't shoot well from three, but at least the Hawks were able to do everything else better. Yeah. Right? Than the Heat It's didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, and we saw tonight that the Hawks on paper were the better team. Mm-hmm. They were the better team, right? They went on the road. They won in Miami. There's, there's no argument you can make. You can say, oh well, Jimmy Butler. Oh well, Bam Adebayo. Well, both guys had inconsistent nights. I mean, Jimmy Butler played well than Adebayo, better than Adebayo played well, played better than Adebayo. But even then, Butler had what four turnovers, three or four turnovers. Mm-hmm. And again, Adebayo was just limited by Clint Capella down low. Capella had 21 rebounds and two blocks, just nuts. Yeah. And then Onyeka Okongu off the bench had four blocks. Yeah. bio, even though he had 12 points, he was limited. He was completely limited by those two. Mm-hmm. Right. John Collins didn't have his best night. They didn't need him to have his best night. Mm-hmm. So at the find end of the day. W-
0: find ways to get it done.
1: Yeah. They found a way to get it done on the road. So they're going to play Boston. Huge series. Um, could Atlanta take some games? Maybe. Maybe. You've seen them surprise teams in the past, you saw two years ago. Where it seemed like, hey, maybe the Knicks finally have something in them. No. The Hawks said, hey, we're going to beat you in five. They're not. I don't think they're going to do that to the Celtics. Um, I think the Celtics are actually going to win the NBA championship, in my opinion. But, okay. um, yeah, I, it, that's probably not going to happen. They could take one game, two games. But, overall, I think the Celtics are the better team. And they're just a little bit deeper mm-hmm. than the Hawks are as of as of now. The Hawks are trending in the right direction as a franchise. But they're not there yet. Yeah. They have to get more consistent in, reg- in the regular season and from deep to be there. And they gotta got to get more consistent defensively, especially in the perimeter. They have DeJounte Murray, and speaking of him, he had a pretty good pretty good game too. But um, they just got to clean up those holes, really.
0: Yeah, and then moving on to tonight, April 12th, um, the 10-seed Bulls will face the Raptors in Toronto. Yep. Um, the 10-9 game in the East, and then the Thunder... The 10 seed in the West will play the
1: Pelicans
0: in New Orleans. So the
1: Bulls-Raptors game is a tale of um, good, very star players, Zach Levine and and DeMar DeRozan, versus a phenomenal starting five, a very good starting five, but with no bench on the Raptors. Uh, The Raptors do have home court advantage, right? So you're really going to have to rely on that leadership for the Bulls to win that game. They got to have valuable minutes from everyone that touches the floor, just like yeah. the Hawks had on the road. Uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah.
0: Drake's got to come no through for the,
1: for the uh, yeah. for Raptors Tarana, as well. For yeah. the city. But <laughs> down low, we got two teams that, uh, one especially that I'm surprised to be in the playoffs, one that was probably going to be in the play in if they had made the playoffs and the Pelicans, the Thunder sitting in the playoffs. Very mm-hmm. surprising. They're fun to watch. They're athletic. They get up the floor quick. Shea Gildas Alexander is a great shooter. It's just going to be, hey, can, can they stop the Pelicans? Yeah. On the road. another Again, another road game. But the Pelicans are without Zion for probably all of the playoffs. Uh, so can the Thunder take advantage? They got Najee Marshall, though. Yeah. They got Former Nazi Xavier
0: Bar- player. Yeah. He's in the playoffs, baby. Is so is Evan Summer for the Nets. Yeah. We'll so get to them.
1: Whoever wins those two games will meet the losers of the games we just mentioned obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Saturday, um, net 76ers. That's going to be a fun series. And that's yeah. guys who like Mikel Bridges. I think he just highlights that team. Guys who are solid, who don't get injured very often, a core group, right? They don't have a superstar, but they have a solid rotation, mm-hmm. right? Can they slow down the 76ers? Maybe, but I think the 76ers are the better team. I think it's going to be a very fun mashup, matchup, and I think the Nets are going to be um, very skirmishy in a way, right? They're going to try to tighten things up, play at a half-court pace, but...
0: Nets are going to play ugly basketball.
1: Yeah, they're going to play ugly, ugly basketball, right? They're going to try to make this a dog fight. But the 76ers are the better team, in my opinion. I think they'll take it in five or six. Okay. Uh, we just mentioned Hawks-Celtics. I think five or six, same same kind of feel, right? Yeah. Cavs Knicks is going to be fun. Oh, that's going to be a fun series. Um, that's going to be really fun.
0: Cleveland, the four seed, Knicks, the five. Mm-hmm. First game at Quicken Loan is not Quicken Loans Arena anymore, is it? Ah, uh, but it's. Um, is it I'm Rocket Mortgage? Sure. It's Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. <laughs> <don't know>. Rocket, <laughs> mortgage, Fieldhouse. <laughs> Rocket <laughs> mortgage Fieldhouse. It says it right there. Oh yeah. Okay. Anyways, nice. <laughs> um, the Cavs Knicks, two pretty evenly matched teams, I would say. Yeah. For the most part. They finished pretty
1: close in the standings, yeah. obviously being what the, the four and the five. So yeah. So it's probably
0: close. four or five matchups are usually the most competitive, at least in the first round.
1: Usually. Yeah. Normally usually, unless
0: yeah. you like obviously it's kind of similar to yeah. the NCAA tournament, like those really close. Yeah, seven, ten, games, eight, seven, nine. Yeah. Are six, always 11. really competitive.
1: Um yeah. so um as of yesterday, Julius Randle is doubtful Ooh. for the first game. That's a big, big step in the right direction for the Cavs. Yeah.
0: Producer Zeke, very excited about that news. Yeah. Um, Another sorry kid. to yeah. Julius Randle okay. for being injured, but
1: Caseman's yeah, not going to like that. That no. news at all. But um, it's just for one game. I think he'll be back for this, for most of the series. And again, it's on the road. It's game one, so if you lose one, it's okay, right? Try to split it. Yeah. Then get back home, get back to New York, and take advantage of a split series. Um, for the Cavs, obviously there are some guys doubtful as of like last week, really, um, but they'll be ready to go. There sh- I, there shouldn't be anyone that's really out. I guess the the only question mark is Isaac Okoro, um, and I think he'll they'll probably be out in at least one game. But everybody else, what Karis Levert, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Dylan Windler, they should all be there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much Windler's going to play, but the other three should have minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Um, so that's going to be a fun series. I have the Cavs in this series, just just based on I mean, the guard plays. I mean, all around their play has been awesome. Um, but to, to me, the to me the backbone of that team is the two guys down low, mm-hmm. right? You got Evan Mobley, Locks a lot of shots. Yeah, yeah, oh, he plays does. There, I wish I had I had um, two guys in the Pistons that could do the same thing. I think in a way they're trying to get that with Duran and Wiseman, but they're two very young guys and they're trying to. Um, form in a way, mm-hmm. mesh together. But I forgot to mention Jared Allen. Jared Allen is solid yes. defensively; just one of the best defensive centers in the league. Yeah, right? I think two monsters down though.
0: The only way the Knicks advance, in my mind, I'm going to take the Cavs. But if um, the Cavs are unable to contain Jalen Brunson, mm-hmm. let him control the game. Um, Cavs are going to be in a little bit trouble. Yeah, because I've seen Brunson play for a long time, and when he was in college, since he's been in the NBA, he just he has this ability to control the pace of the game to take over games. He can make it hurt offensively. He can score a bunch of points. He gets everyone involved. It's just, oh, he drives. Like, if you're the other team, it would drive you crazy to play against Jalen Brunson. Yeah. But if you really pressure him, you get in him early, especially like have a guy guard him full court or whatever, if you make his points more difficult, um, the damage that he can do is contained. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, obviously, the Cavs have some really good rim protectors. So at least for Brunson, getting downhill is going to be difficult for him.
1: Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention real quick the durability of Mikael Bridges. That's been on my mind for a couple of minutes now. That guy has not missed a game in the NBA and did not miss a game in college. Mm -hmm. Just insane. Just insane. No injury problems whatsoever. And, if again, if he can stay healthy, we're not trying to jinx anything, but if he can stay healthy – He's like they the, have a shot. He's like the Cal Ripken of the NBA right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> Just Mr. Consistent, baby.
1: <laughs> and uh, then we have the Warriors and Kings. The Kings, the, the what is it? The ticket price for the-, the $400. Yeah,
0: $400. Cheapest to get in the door. So and, it,
1: and again, it is a basketball arena, so it is going to be a little more expensive, but also it is their first playoff series yeah. in 16 years. And they have home court advantage. They are the three seed. Yeah,
0: I mean, Come they on. have every right to be excited, and I think that's reflected in the ticket prices. Yeah. Um, and the Kings are a good team. They have Sabonis. They have Kevin Herters, played really well this year. Um, De'Aaron Fox, oh yeah, really good player. Man, yeah. that guy is fast as heck. He's the fastest player in the NBA. He's so quick. Yeah. Um, but, they, I mean, the Kings are up against a tough challenge in the Warriors. They've been there, done that, obviously. Steph yep. Curry, Clay Thompson, Gr- Draymond Green and company. Um, the Warriors are getting a little bit older obviously. Um, and to be honest, if, if Curry's really not hitting, if Clay's not hitting, the Warriors are going to be in trouble. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of like Tom Brady in football. Um, Curry gets going when the, when the lights get brightest. And if he starts to get going, if the Kings let him get hot early in this, in the series, um, I'd watch out. And yep. I, every team in the West, I would watch out mm-hmm. because Curry can just go to a different place, a different level. Um, no, no matter how you guard him, he will find a way to get a shot off, which is the most impressive part about watching him move, watching him, um, shoot in the NBA is how he creates his own shot is just ridiculous. But the Kings have a good team. I think this has shocked a lot of people that they're in third place in the West. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Yeah. Um, but Sabonis has been around for a while. Kevin Herter played at Maryland. He can shoot it as well. Yep. Um, uh,
1: I mean, the veteran leadership of Harrison Barnes yeah. has been prevalent throughout the season. It's someone who's always going to get you buckets wherever he is, who's averaging 15 points a game. You got rookie Keegan Murray. He's started almost every game in a, in a Kings uniform that he's had all season um, from Iowa. You know, Chris Murray's probably going to get drafted as well. Um, not a defensive force by any means. Hmm. Not really a force in the assist game, but he's going to be solid in the offensive end of the floor. He can shoot from anywhere and he's just like his brother. Yeah. Just like Chris Murray. Yeah. But, you know. For sure. But and number 4 overall pick from last season. And yeah. Another
0: name synonymous with the NBA playoffs. Matthew Delavado.
1: I'm sorry. Delly's not going to get minutes, dude. Hey.
0: <laughs> you never know. De- I just Come see on. his name on the roster and I get flashbacks. Delly's
1: not going to get minutes.
0: Okay. I'm oh, sorry. Whatever.
1: Delly's not going to But be, he's on the know, roster. will get though. minutes is their best bench player Malik Monk. Malik Monk has had a resurgence in his career in Sacramento, and I think he could be a long-term piece of that team.
0: I didn't know. Yeah,
1: you didn't know Malik Monk was on that team.
0: No, Trey yeah. Lyles is on there, so it's like a Kentucky <laughs> reunion in Sacramento, yeah. California. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyways, he was on the Lakers. He, he was in Charlotte,
1: he then he was in L.A., and now yeah. he's in Sacramento.
0: Okay. Yeah. I knew. He, I knew he was on Charlotte and L.A. I didn't know he moved since. Yeah. But good. Good for the Kings.
1: I guess so. his time in the Lakers kind of helped him a little bit. He averaged what, thirteen-ish yeah. points, but now he's, you know, yeah. he's he's in the right he's in the right place. He's in the right place right? for sure. There's no reason to leave Sacramento. None. No. Right? Solid team. Solid amount of draft capital. I know they traded for Demontis Sabonis, but it's okay, right? <laughs> Don't panic. All right, yeah. they got the number four over, overall pick last season in Keegan Murray. Right, you're just going to see continued development of the young guys in that team. And of course, the experienced guys. It's a fun group to watch, man. They hit a lot of threes. A lot of threes. So um, we'll keep going with that. And um, uh,
0: last matchup Suns Clippers.
1: It's a West. Rivalry. Rivalry. <laughs> it's a tough one to predict. A lot of star power. Rivalry. A lot of star power, of course. The Clippers have played well to end the season. Um, they did beat the Lakers. We, I don't know if we if we mentioned that game the other day, but it was LeBron. LeBron had a huge third quarter, but in the first half he was minus twenty five. Whatever, that game's over. Um Clippers pulled that one out to get out of the uh the play in mm-hmm. to play the, the Suns. So um I think it's a I think it's a good matchup for the Clippers, personally. Again they're gonna they have a little more depth than the Suns do. But uh no I mean if you're a Suns fan though, if you're if if you're watching this, you still have just an amazing starting lineup, just star power all over the place. I mean, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton—you have everything you want, and you got some bench guys, bench pieces who can, you know, maybe compete in the playoffs. So um, it's going to be a fun series. I, I do believe. Uh, I, I don't know who's going to win that series. I don't really want to predict a winner for that one because it's it's so good. I just kind of want to watch it, not really have a team to root for. Just, that's what I'm going to do. Not going to predict the winner. I just want to have a team to root for. That's Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But also, my other championship pick, the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Um, If we want to talk about depth, um, especially in the playoffs, right? Depth matters, even though people say it doesn't really matter if you have star power. Um, Well, the Grizzlies do have star power, right? They got three guys who are stars in this league, in my opinion, right? John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. And then they have, what, 10 other guys who can play in NBA rotations? for any team, right? It's nuts. Very, very fun team to watch. Extremely explosive. Good on both ends of the court. Uh, that's why they're the number two overall seed. I mean, they are one of the best balanced teams in the NBA. And again, they balance that on both ends of the floor and with their depth. It it just shows with everything they do, right? So whoever the Grizzlies are going to play, um, which we're going to find that out on Friday night, it should be... it should be a good series. I, I do believe that, hey, Memphis is still a young team. They may give up some games here and there. But I think they're going to win that series. And eventually, I think they're going to win the conference championship. I think they'll play Boston in the finals. And then, of course, we haven't mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks yet. Giannis might get his favorite matchup with the Miami Heat. And I don't know how the Miami Heat, if they play are going to contain Giannis. I have no idea how they're going to do that. So they're going to have to draw that up real quick. Or Giannis is just going to tear them apart in four games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, um, we can move on to, I mean, college basketball. Talk
0: about, yeah, quickly we can wrap up with a um, few minutes of college basketball talk. Transfer portal is hot right now. Yes. A lot of names in the portal. Um, some big names going to... Um, some pretty big schools. A lot, a lot of people reloading. Arkansas, one of the leaders, and um, the transfer portal yep. or working the portal. They um. Are. Also,
1: Walter, they, who got Walter? Oh, that was Florida. Florida got Walter Yeah. Clayton. Never mind.
0: Well, also, <laughs> um, schools like Duke, Michigan State are returning yeah. a lot of their roster Mm -hmm. from last year, uh, which is really good for both programs who actually face off in the Champions Classic next year. Um, Duke is going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially if Jeremy Roach decides to not um, pursue the NBA draft and come back and retain his college eligibility. But Kyle Filippowski, Mark Mitchell, and Tyrese Proctor are all coming back, um, which is huge for Duke, I think for a number of reasons. Um, Obviously, the one-and-done stuff is still prevalent but I think these guys really want to prove themselves. And if you watch them play the last couple months of the season, they were playing as good as any team in the country, and they were just a little inexperienced. You could sense that um, them being freshmen, they just didn't have the tournament experience. They got bullied a little bit by Tennessee and the loss in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I think they're really hungry, and it, it's cool to see that college basketball winning a national championship working towards that goal still means something yep. to these people. Because I think you could definitely get lost with the one-and-done era, with the NIL stuff, with the transfer portal. Some of these guys can get lost in the sauce with that very easily. And all team-oriented goals, all national championship aspirations are kind of out the window. But some of these guys really, really want to get it done. And for a school like Duke, that's what their program's founded on. Um, Michigan State, the same way. You're returning Jada Nakins, um, Andrew Hogarth. or Aj AJ. AJ. Andrew Tyson Hockard. Walker Tyson Walker Malik Hall Malik Hall and then you have a star-studded uh, recruiting class coming in yep can't believe I said Andrew anyways <laughs> it's fine. um Cohen Carr really good player you have um Zav- Xavier Booker Xavier Booker Jeremy Fierce Jeremy Fierce a loaded Jared roster okay. with a very veteran what well,
1: I-, I said Garrick Normand. and then he just kind of skimmed over Normand. I
0: watched his highlights he was a little okay he just tried to dunk everything, and then he, he shoots
1: well from three
0: too. Okay. Well, kidding? I didn't see. I don't. I, okay. I watched a minute and a half of this video, <laughs> and he tried to dunk on two half. people, and he bricked both of them. And I mean, the at least team... he's going for it. Right? Yeah. I mean, so. good for him. But, <laughs> but you can. I it. mean, I can't do it. So, <laughs> good for him. But anyways, Michigan State's gonna be loaded. Them having so much leadership, especially from the backcourt, is gonna be huge for them. And then Xavier Booker is going to really, um, I think, elevate the front court position, especially from the scoring perspective. No offense to Mati Siksoko, but um, I've watched him a bunch with Shafty this year. He can't score, uh, unless it's a dunk. Unless it's a dunk, even a layup's a little sketch. Um, (laughs) But unless he's dunking the ball, he's really not that big of an offensive threat. But you have him, Jackson Kohler, and Carson Cooper, who can come off the bench and play kind of like a defined role, yeah. uh, whether it be defense. Jackson Kohler's got some really good post moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carson Cooper can come and rim protect if he has
1: to as well. Yep.
0: So I think you're elevating definitely for State their um, offensive prowess. Hopefully they can shoot the ball as well as yeah, they did last I, year. they are going to lose
1: a little bit of three-point shooting without yeah. Joey. But it, we'll, we'll see how it turns over. Yeah,
0: And hopefully Malik Hall can stay healthy with the foot injury that he was battling most of last season. If he's healthy, he has a really, really high ceiling. I think Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, A.J. Hogart are just going to be really solid. They played super well together, especially in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this with multiple teams. You have some success late in the year. You win some games together. You get closer. That just springboards you for the next season. Um, So there's a lot to be excited about in East Lansing. Um, I'm going to touch on Xavier for a second. They've landed two transfers thus far. Um, Logan Duncombe, center from Indiana. Um, he is from Moeller High School, which is in Cincinnati. So greater Cincinnati area, hometown kid. Um, he was sidelined for a majority of his time at Indiana with a sinus. He had sinus surgery. And also he's playing behind the guy by the name of Trace Jackson Davis, who was a Naismith, uh player of the year award finalist for like the last three years, it seems like, or however long it's been. Um, so he was in a tough situation where he probably wasn't going to play a ton. Um, But he's coming to Xavier with the chance to prove himself and to get better. Um, Really cool to have a hometown kid back on the team. And then Davion McKnight, guard from Western Kentucky University, leading scorer for the Hilltoppers last year, is transferring to Xavier, 6'1", left-handed point guard. Um, Really good at scoring the ball, averaged almost 20 points a game last year. Really good at finishing and transition. He's got some bunnies. Uh, He can dunk on people if he has to. Really good finishing around the rim and shot about 35% from three. I think that definitely could be improved once he gets here, gets some reps in. Um, And uh, Xavier's losing a lot of three-point shooting and scoring from last year's team. Colby Jones is left for the draft. Adam Kunkel, Sule, boom. Um, Two of their veteran guards are out of eligibility, so they will not be returning. Um, And some of the front court players from last year, Jack Nanji, Jerome Hunter... And Zach Fremantle haven't decided what they are doing. So a lot is in limbo, as well as four um, players that came off the bench are transferring Cesar Edwards, Elisha Tucker, um, Deontay Miles, and Kiki Tandy. Wish them all the best in their future endeavors. Um, But they have moved on. They've decided to move on. So there's a lot of roster spots to fill. Um, Four freshmen coming in, two of which I think could be really – instrumental to the team next year and obviously however the however long they're on xavier's campus and that would be point guard trey green who yep. can shoot the crap out of the ball really good point guard really quick um and also dalen swain who's six seven from columbus ohio he won ohio mr basketball for his division the last two years really good player a lot of upside i think he's a very thin he's very thin body type right now but he gets in the weight room. He's going to fill out, which yeah. is really exciting. And he's really young. He's only 17 years old mm-hmm. right now. Um, but I know Xavier fans should be really excited about him, watch him develop, especially his perimeter shooting, but really good at getting to the rim, finishing through contact. Um, a lot to be excited about in Xavier. I think this year is going to be definitely more of a turnover year than last year was just yep. because of the roster that was inherited by Sean Miller and the job he did to keep most of the people there. Mm-hmm was fantastic but unfortunately a lot of them were at the end of the run so he really has to shuffle some things and figure things out so matt um was looking a couple days ago on some potential prospects that xavier should target Um, yeah
1: so um one guy that really stuck out to me was cal baptist uh what is (laughs) his? Teron, sorry, sorry. Teron Armstrong. I don't know why yes. I couldn't think of his first name. <laughs> Teron. You don't hear the the first name Teron very often, but Teron Armstrong. Uh, his freshman season, he had 15 assists in a game. He's had a triple-double. He averages just to around 12 points per game, right? Mm-hmm. About six assists per game as well, um, four rebounds. So a guy who is is six six guard, right? You, you don't really get that in college basketball. If he develops his three-point touch a little bit, he's going to be dangerous, right? Could be a lot like Kolick, but taller. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch if he can come here. I think it really comes down to Xavier um, Creighton and the Zags. I think if the Zags get Ryan Nemhard, which uh speaking of Andrew Hogard, Andrew Andrew Nemhard transferred from Florida to Gonzaga, so there's that brotherly relationship. Um, I think Ryan Nemhard will probably end up at Gonzaga. That's just kind of an early prediction. So I don't think Teron Armstrong will end up going to, Gonz- to Gonzaga, but he could go and fill the void at Creighton. I think his his top four right now are three Big East teams, including Providence of, of those and then yeah. Gonzaga. I don't think he'll go to Providence. I don't see him going to Providence. Yeah, But I think, I think there's a huge possibility that he comes come Xavier, which is just awesome. They need a point huge. guard. They need an assist guy, right? Him and Des Claude, Ethan McKnight. That would be huge for them. They they brought in the the Quincy kid, or they might bring in the the Quincy guy with the three point shooter. I forgot his last name. Olivera oh, from, from Quincy Rice. Olivera, yeah, from Rice school down in Texas. Uh, he might go to Texas as well. So yeah, it'd be so nice to have.
0: Teron a Armstrong shooter. would be huge. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Xavier's losing a lot of production from Sule Boom, who was yep. there on a one year contract basically. Basically, um, played extremely well for Xavier. I don't think really you can replicate what Sule did like it's hard to go from um Mr. Irrelevant kind of to first team big ol- first team all big east yeah. team yeah um first year that you're there but Tarama Armstrong could be really big hopefully i think he's got multiple years of eligibility left which is also the big thing he does he has these two. Yeah. yeah and obviously uh Xavier lost out on the Kirk sweepstakes Mm -hmm. who is one of um miller's former players he recruited to arizona before he came to xavier he went to west virginia um obviously ryan Nemhard leaving creighton so creighton's looking for some some backcourt depth gonzaga obviously as well um and then xavier and i think having sean miller as the coach of xavier who has a lot of west coast ties Mm -hmm. at least with his time at arizona really helps xavier's chances and i think you could see a lot more recruits from the west coast and the East Coast obviously coming towards Xavier, but the West Coast um, having that um, connection with Sean Miller, like, oh, he knows the area, he knows some of the prospects. Maybe there's some links there that could help um, sway decisions, yep. which would be great. Um, but I think Xavier definitely needs probably a couple more players in this signing period. Mm-hmm. And potentially, I don't know if there's any freshmen out there that are opening recruitment. I don't know what there they're going to do for There's a up.
1: kid from um, McKenzie Mbaco. Oh, from Duke? Yeah, from Duke. He just. I mean, hey, we steal him. That would so, be pretty sweet. Who knows? Um, I wanted to mention, speaking of big men, um, I wanted to mention, I know we both like Graham Ek from mm-hmm. Wyoming. Oh, I don't he think he'll end huge. up going to Xavier, but he'd be awesome. I saw him in person. Just last season, or two seasons ago um, at the at the first four, he was a lot of fun to watch. He got in foul trouble in that game. But either way, he was still really fun to watch. Um, and then there's a kid who's McKnight's teammate at Western Kentucky. I don't think Xavier has done anything with him, but he'd be a dream kind of prospect. Seven foot five, tallest player in college basketball. Right, Taller than Edie. Taller than Zach Edie, right? Put in 30 minutes per game over there. That's that's uh, Jamarian Sharp, right? 30 minutes per game as a man who is seven foot five. That's crazy, right? I think he I think he let's see, he's he's testing NBA uh draft prospect combine waters and he's also in the transfer portal. I don't think he'll end up going to the NBA this season. I think he'll need another year in college, but he'd be a huge pickup for Xavier if Xavier wants to target him. That would just be awesome. Yeah. And again, I think if we if if we want to talk about real quick, I mentioned to him. To Gabe earlier about um Tom Izzo's kind of feel about the transfer portal. He doesn't really like it, and I definitely get where he's at. Um, some of the guys that Izzo has picked up in the transfer portal have come from um or come because of uh, a poor freshman class or like a smaller freshman smaller freshman class, maybe two or three guys. Um like, if we think of the past, we can think of uh, Bryn Forbes, Denzel Valentine's teammate, who's, who's um, still playing in the NBA, uh, Bryn Forbes is. Um, then we have Aaron Harris, who came from West Virginia, went to Michigan State. Um, Tyson Walker, obviously. Joey Hauser, right? Those are the four names that I can think of right now. Um it's those are four guys who had at least two years. Mul- so multiple seasons of eligibility, el- eligibility left. Right. Mm-hmm. They get one season to understand the system. And then the very next and they can also play well in that first first season. But the next season is the season that like, hey, they're going to be a star at Michigan State. Yeah. Right. you so, you've saw, you've seen it with uh, Bryn, it's just all those guys. You saw with all those guys really yeah. uh, it took them a, a, at least a season to really get used to the system. And then they just got going. They got in a roll. And I think Xavier, in a way, the, the recruiting classes are going to keep jumping up. But Sean Miller kind of has to adopt that system. If you have a strong recruiting class, there's no there's no reason for you to really hit the portal hard. If you no. have seniority returning, obviously, but also a strong recruiting class, kind of like how State has it this year, they don't need anyone. Yeah, right? they don't need to bring in anyone. Anyone and I, else?
0: And I think if you were to ask Sean Miller today, like, would he prefer to use the portal? And the answer would be no. Yeah. I think he really wants to develop from high school. Maybe fit a guy in when it makes sense. But just the way the roster is going to change over from this year to next, it's almost you have to do it Yeah. Um, until he can set the program, set his flow, mm-hmm. set um, have multiple recruiting classes come in. Um, it's going to be a couple years until everything's kind of like the program's like really functional yeah. and working. Um, but right now I think obviously they're going to do a really good job with whatever transfers they get. Yeah. Whether they pan out or not is um, kind of up to what happens, I guess. Like, you get a guy like Jerome Hunter. Last year, he came with Travis Steele. Didn't play really well. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not one of the favorites by any means of uh, Xavier students or fans or anything like that. Just really didn't play his game in some ways. Yeah. And then when Miller got here last year, they defined a role for Hunter, and he really embraced it. Mm-hmm. He played tremendous down the stretch and he was huge for them making it as far as they did in the tournament especially with zach freeman being out and i think that's kind of um the thing with recruits you forget they're human beings they're going to different places where they don't know they're all this information all these systems there's so much that they have to catch up on in a short period of time and sometimes it doesn't work it just doesn't fit it and you just need more time you need more reps you need more time to get your feet wet and um hopefully some of these transfers can come into xavier if they have extended um time left in college basketball they can kind of not feel it out but really understand the system what miller wants them to do and then hopefully if they're here for multiple years they can really hit the ground running yeah. and just um do that but i'm sure yeah. their evaluation process they're trying to get guys that know what they're doing they're all about it mm-hmm. grinders gym rats um all those sorts of adjectives. Yeah.
1: But uh, really quickly, I wanted to end things off Yeah, with just a, a Michigan state, another feel it situation um, with the situation that's obviously going on right now. The class they are bringing in is so similar to the 2017 class where they brought in miles, Bridges, Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Josh Langford, right? Yeah. Just four guys who just were phenomenal at Michigan state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so similar in, in that uh, like just with the talent, the one difference is that team had no senior leadership; they had nothing, right? Basically, everybody had left. Um, that was the year after they went, uh, they or they lost in the first round. They won the Big Ten championship and lost the first round in Middle Tennessee State, um, which was unfortunate. But again, they lost basically all of their seniors and everyone who was an upperclassman. They brought back Aaron Harris, but he was only a sophomore. Um, yeah, just, just really, like, basically no leadership whatsoever with yeah. that team. The difference with this team is that you have seniority, mm-hmm. right? You got Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard, Malik Hall, Jaden Akins, even Monty Sissoko. You got sophomores who are still there, ready to play, um, who got valuable minutes, who are going to transition in the summer and the fall um, with those workouts to get even better and stronger by the time the season, preseason rolls around in October and November. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm really excited about that team. I know you're really excited about Xavier. We'll see what they can do in the offseason, what they can grab, yeah. what pieces they can get. But um, as we have more updates with college basketball, we will have um, it more packed segments. But for now, it'll just be it kind
0: of a loose conversation about it from now on mm-hmm. until we get obviously more – um, concrete information yeah. and stuff like
1: that and we're not going to come out with like a preseason top yeah. 25 or <laughs> way anything way too like early that. rankings, nothing yeah. like that until way later i know some guys like like Andy Katz and others have already done that and it just seems too early right now it's yeah. too early to call it's baseball season yeah like
0: <laughs> have some respect
1: yeah Anyways. our teams are, are doing a lot <laughs> over here in baseball yeah just defining it, everything that baseball has to offer with being under 500 anyway it's okay
0: <laughs> only two games it's not that much not for us well, <laughs> yeah.
1: it is the Tigers. Yeah, that is
0: true. Um, but anyways, thank you guys for tuning in to episode number 29 of the Quick Question Podcast. We will be back next week, actually in a new location um, for the last couple episodes before we're out of here for the summer. Yeah. Um, Matt is traveling to Australia in a little over a month, which is exciting as well. So obviously- we're going
1: we're to try to figure things out with all that. Yeah. If I can't come on, we will have someone else. Someone yeah. else will be on the show.
0: I might have to go there with him
1: um (laughs) no he won't (laughs) but (laughs) But we'll see hopefully i can jump on for at least one episode it'd be great but um regardless whether or not we're gonna have
0: we'll have people fill in yeah if he's unable to or it's you're just gonna be stuck with me and Um, when i
1: come back it i'll just get right back in the swing of things i may need a couple days to really uh (laughs) yeah um
0: are you gonna start talking with with an accent no why not
1: i mean i could you could i'd have to learn the accent yeah. Anyways. Speak of the kangaroos and the tarantulas yeah, and the emus and the people. Yeah. <laughs> the Australian football and rugby players. Ooh, You should try to play that. You Australian should, football. You, know, you should go to a game. I think we're going to a rugby. It's one of the two. We're going to one of the two. But we're is visiting. Is cricket big in Australia? Our, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're visiting cricket game would facilities. be cool, too. That would be cool. I've never watched a cricket and I, I know it's huge around the world, cricket yeah. is. But in I don't. The US, it's so it's so small. Yeah, like, it is very small.
0: I've tried to watch a couple games. Just I I don't sense. know. I don't know what's going but, on. It doesn't make. Apparently, sense. one guy, one batter. Yeah, can bat the entire game. I know. Yeah. Right. Because they get they're basically just foul pitches off. Yeah, it's insane. It doesn't make any sense. A singles but, worth like three runs. I, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. What? Um. Well, anyways, thank you guys for tuning <laughs> in. We will see you guys next week. Have a good weekend you and too, Gabe. Uh, stay safe.